Welcome to Concussion Stories, a Life Yana podcast series filled with hope. I'm here to let you know that you are not alone in your concussion recovery. I'm Melanie, and I spent more than six years experimenting, training, and learning in order to heal myself from a very bad case of post-concussion syndrome. And today, I feel better than ever before. In Concussion Stories, we dig deep while discussing hopeful stories of recovery, as well as the hard stuff in the messy middle. If you're struggling to focus, be sure to take a break. Down in the description of each episode, you can find a table of contents in case you want to skip ahead. Let's dive right in. This is number two of two Concussion Stories podcast episodes with Dr. Sessler. If you haven't watched or listened to the first one yet, I advise you to do so. In this episode, Dr. Sessler names the most common post-concussion headaches and shares more about several of them. Please mind that it is quite a long episode and it contains a lot of information at once, so it might be a good idea to listen to it in chunks or ask a loved one to listen to it and see if they recognize your kind of headache. Also, Dr. Sessler is going to name a lot of difficult medical terms. This is needed in order to identify the specific post-concussion syndrome headaches that you might experience. But if you'd like to know what they mean, head on over to the podcast transcript on liveyana.com to find links to pages explaining all medical terms he uses. Without further ado, let's get this episode started. Um, you can tell us a lot about headaches in um, post-concussion syndrome patients, right? There's sure. a lot that you can share about it. Could you tell us a bit about more about the context? So how much does it occur? How normal is it or not? Um, what do patients normally experience, the ones that you see? Prognosis, diagnosis, anything that you want to shed a light on? Sure. Um, let me start by saying it's not just a condition of post-concussive symptomatology, but it occurs in all severities of traumatic brain injury. What's interesting is, and it's not quite clear as to why, it seems like the incidence is higher in people with milder injuries, the mild traumatic brain injury category or post-concussive category, than in people with moderate to severe TBI, although the literature admittedly is somewhat mixed there. That's point number one. Point number two is, if it's related to your brain being injured, it wouldn't make sense that you should see more of it in people with milder injury. You would expect to see more of it in people with more severe injury. Mm. So I've made the argument over the years, more years than I'll acknowledge, that maybe it's not all in the brain. Mm -hmm. And in the last few years, probably the last 10 years, one of the things that's been more widely acknowledged and written about is the importance of the neck in the context of being a pain generator for post-traumatic headache. We'll come back to that concept in a minute. Very common at some point post-injury to have headache. Typically, headache starts early after the injury it's not something that comes on typically years after and is causally related. There are cases 
that are outliers, using that word again, where you can have late onset headache that ultimately is apportionable and related to the original injury. But those, again, are exceptions. So most headache comes on fairly quickly after the injury. Now, there are lots of different reasons for having headache after a traumatic event, like a concussion or more severe brain injury. All too often, clinicians make a diagnosis and tend to go right to migraine as an explanation for post-traumatic headache pain. Now, clearly migraine is a cause and occurs mm -hmm. in a certain percentage of patients. That percentage, in my own opinion, is still highly debatable because the literature that has looked at the incidence of different headache subtypes has relied on the um, International Headache Classification, ICHD-3, which is the current classification, mm -hmm. as a sole driver of making the diagnosis. So none of the studies that I am aware of have included careful histories in terms of headache histories and careful physical exams directed at identifying headache pain generators. So oftentimes you see people receive a diagnosis of, and I'm using this as quotes, post-traumatic headache. Mm -hmm. That's the diagnosis. And I see patients regularly who've been to multiple doctors. That's the only diagnosis they receive. My response to that is, that doesn't tell the patient anything they don't already know. They know they had a trauma. They know they have headache. How is that helpful? It's mm -hmm. not because it doesn't identify what the cause of the That's headache true. is. It doesn't identify what should be done to treat the headache and modulate their symptoms. 90% mm -hmm. of the patients I see with post-traumatic headache who come to me typically tertiary referral, I start examining them. I tell them lay down. I look at leg length discrepancy, pelvic alignment, neck and shoulder exam. I start to palpate their head and neck and they go, what are you doing? I go, well, I'm examining you. This is an important part of the exam for headache. And guess mm -hmm. what they say? Never done. Yeah. No one's mm -hmm. ever done that before. You can't assess somebody with post-traumatic headache and not examine them properly. Mm -hmm. So there's at least seven common things that can cause headache after these types of injuries. So okay. migraine, I'll just list off some migraine, tension, headache, TMJ problems, temporomandibular joint problems, yeah. bruxing, grinding teeth, yeah. um, supraorbital, supratrochlear, greater occipital neuralgia, lesser occipital neuralgia, referred pain from the neck, what's called referred myofascial pain, sometimes upper ligamentous injury and instability of the neck can cause the bones to be rotated. And when you adjust the bones like an osteopathic doctor or chiropractor does, or someone who's good with manual medicine, that can help particularly if it's in the upper three levels of the neck Mm -hmm. um, 
sometimes instability is more significant and needs to be treated with anywhere from conservative management to potentially even, albeit rarely, surgical stabilization of the neck in more severe cases. So there's a myriad number of different conditions and they don't necessarily have to occur just by themselves. So you can have mm -hmm. migraine with a cervicogenic component. You can have cervicogenic headache with occipital neuralgia headache with TMJ headache. Yes. And tension headache. So yeah. You know, once you find one, it doesn't mean that's all that needs to be treated. You need to assess and treat holistically, in my mm -hmm. experience, to optimize how patients do with their headache disorder. Yeah. Part of that also is treating how they're dealing or coping with their pain. Mm -hmm. So it's not just a medical management issue. It's a biopsychosocial issue, if you will. And there yeah. has to be, there has to be a particularly with chronic pain, more so than acute pain, there tend to be secondary issues that come about. So increased okay. levels, even if that was the only problem. So let's make it simple. Chronic headache, that's it. Anxiety disorders, much higher depressive disorders much higher in those patient populations. There's also interesting data showing that chronic pain can perpetuate PTSD symptomatology. So if you're trying to treat PTSD optimally and somebody has chronic post-traumatic pain, if you're not addressing the pain, you're not optimally treating the PTSD as yeah. just some examples. So all those things are important in that context. I sort of skipped over the history, but Taking a history can be very helpful in terms of directing and focusing the physical exam, then looking at some basic things. I like the mnemonic colder. So C for character of the pain. O for onset. Is it rapid or insidious? Does it come on slowly or boom? Is it just there? The location of the headache. Is it unilateral or bilateral? Is mm -hmm. it temporal, parietal, suboccipital? Where is it? And is it both sides? Or is it all over? What's called yeah. holocephalic? Mm -hmm. What's the duration? That's the D. What's the exacerbating factor? So what makes it worse? The R is what relieves it. So going in a dark room and going to sleep might relieve yeah. it. Taking Excedrin migraine, which is a medicine we have here, might relieve it. Um, having a massage mm -hmm. might help, whatever, just some examples. Yes. Some other things that need to be asked are the frequency of the headache, the severity of the headache, typically numerically ranked, the functional consequences of the headache, meaning can you go about your daily business or do you basically get debilitated and have to lay down, turn out the lights, take medicine, go to sleep mm -hmm. at the other extreme. Um, time of day of the headache. So certain headaches tend to occur more frequently at certain times of day. So for example, frontal sinus headaches tend to be more common in the morning. Sleep apnea headaches, which is a common sleep apnea um, thing to have headache, more common in the morning. 
tension headache more common in the afternoon if you work a regular schedule yeah. as an example um are headaches related to menses in women if they are then that's more consistent with things like what's termed catamenial migraine so catamenial meaning around the time of the period um, so all those kinds of things need to be looked at in the context of taking a good headache history hmm. so if i hear from a patient the headache starts in the back of my head and it shoots up and sometimes it goes behind my eye the first thing i think about is occipital neuralgia because that's a classic description for occipital neuralgia I, okay. a little side story i was once at a conference and i was talking about occipital neuralgia and a woman who was a, a person who had a brain injury who had chronic migraine stood up just impulsively and said my god that's my headache Wow. <laughs> do you mind if I come over there? And I went like midway back into the audience and I stuck my finger in the back of her head and pushed on the occipital nerve. And she, you know, nearly went up to the ceiling. Yeah. Um, nobody had found that before. So that's a very treatable condition that this lady went years without a diagnosis for. Mm. But heard my description and said, that's my headache. Yeah. So some of these things are pretty classic in terms of their presentation. Mm -hmm. um, so again, it, it belabors the point about the need to take time with patients. We have a joke here in the United States um, about managed care. Have you heard that term? Managed no. care is sort of a insurance company approach to cost savings but it, the physicians who don't like it say it really means we can't manage, they don't care. Okay. It, yeah. it may not mean much outside the American context, but- I get um, the idea. Mine is the way medicine is going these days, physicians are pushed to produce and make money and patient care tends to suffer in most um, clinical contexts where there's corporate oversight and the push to produce and generate revenue. Mm -hmm. So there's less time spent with patients. These types of patients, your kind of case, other people who've had post-concussive disorders or more severe brain injuries, you can't take five, 10 minutes no. and do justice to the kinds of things that need to be discussed or examined or followed up on. It's so, way too complex. Right. You know, I don't know if the expression is in Dutch, but um, have you heard the expression hammers see nails? No. Do you I learn something new every time. <laughs> so hammer see nails simply means you see relative to your perspective. So a surgeon sees surgical issues a psychiatrist sees mental health issues. Now I get it. I think we have something similar. Yeah. <laughs> so my point there is you can't be a hammer. You have to be yeah. much more holistic and understand all the different variability and contributors to 
how these injuries, and it's not just the brain injury, but how these traumatic events affect the individual. I think that's the, the main thing that I don't know from your perspective, but from my perspective, that most people who have lingering symptoms and a lingering headache, or even the headache is the most prominent symptom that they have remaining from concussion or other brain injuries, but I mostly speak with people with post-concussion syndrome. Sure, and that's uh, by far the highest incidence physical symptom amongst all physical symptoms that occur after concussion. Yeah, yeah. And then, but they, they have been to chiropractors. They have been to functional neurologists. They have been, well, the list is so long what everybody spends their money on, but still they aren't helped. They still have these headaches and it's sometimes it feels uh to a lot of them like pandora's box right nobody is able to help me you can't look at the patient like this whether it's headache or anything else for that matter exactly yes and that is is that something that you do for example too so if if someone if the trouble doesn't seem to start in it's, it doesn't seem to be as physical, like superficially physical, but it could be, for example, biologicals or hormones, or it could be psychological. How do you proceed then if you don't, if you can't use your hands? I'm sorry. I always want to use my hands because <laughs> touching is part of a good exam. But are, are you asking in the context of if you don't find physical exam abnormalities that explain the pain exactly do you for example do an uh, test of hormone levels or do you have yeah, a sure. psychologist who's helping you for example how yeah, do you approach I, that i'm i'm pretty weird when i say weird I, i'm atypical in terms of some of the testing that i do in terms of looking at how people are coping with pain how people are doing psychologically in terms of doing testing for anxiety, depression, PTSD. So I really try and look, as I said, at the whole person and take those things into consideration in the mm. context of any assessment, not just the headache assessment. Um, could you tell us a little bit more about your clinic? Where can people find you? Um, URL, sure. those kind of things. My outpatient practice at Concussion Care Clinic in, of Virginia is um, an outpatient practice. I have a few practitioners who work with me. It's not a big place. It's a small clinic, kind of boutique medicine, as we say in the United States. Um, I have a neurooptometrist, a neuroendocrinologist, and a physical therapist who work with me very closely. And um, it's really focused on um, good quality assessment, comprehensive management. I have a network of clinicians that we work with outside of the clinic, all of whom I've worked with for many years who have lots of experience dealing with different kinds of issues associated with brain injury, whether it's neurosurgeons, neuroautologists, audiologists, et cetera. Um, so again, I think the emphasis is on transdisciplinary care in my clinic, holistic care, and taking the time that's needed with patients to really try and do as good a job as possible. And mm. I'll 
that, so that suffices. I'm sorry, that suffices. Yeah, that suffices. Thank you so much for sharing right. your time and your experience. And um, it it's been lovely talking with you. It feels like it a meeting nice, of mine. It was nice hearing your story and your outcome and how hope and motivation were key to that, which I think is a good topic for another discussion. Yes, it will okay. be. We will have plenty to talk about. It. Now I would love to hear from you. What do you take away from this episode? Is there something that you can apply to your life right away? Head on over to lifejana.com and leave your comment now. And if you want to hear and read more concussion stories, actionable steps and inspiration, be sure to subscribe to the Lifejana email list while you're there so that you never miss out on new materials we constantly make for you. And if you want to support this podcast, head on over to patreon.com slash concussion stories. Thank you for listening to this Concussion Stories episode by Liveyana. May you be well and may you be happy.